0: As the days turn cold and the nights grow long, the veil between our world and the next grows thin. What we celebrate as Halloween was once known as Samhain, the pagan Irish New Year, when the ancients would dispel lurking spirits with a carved turnip or a clever disguise. Our guest today, Joe Kerrigan, has written many books on the old ways and traditions of Ireland and she shares ancient legends and stories that will both delight you and chill you to the bone. Let's travel back in time, today, on Homespun Haints. Hello, Hainted Loves. Welcome to Homespun Haints. I'm Becky. And I'm Diana. Are you ready for Halloween, or as they call in the old country, Samhain? Samhain. Samhain is the original name for Halloween from Ireland. Halloween originated in Ireland. Since we are moving into the Salwyn season and we always do spooky stuff all year round, we're mm-hmm. going to go deeper this month. Mm-hmm. We are going to be speaking to people who are incredibly well-versed and knowledgeable about Irish folklore. That's awesome. So the first person that we are going to talk to today is an author. She currently lives in West Cork in Ireland. Her name is Jo Kerrigan, and that's just J-O, if you want to go look her up. We actually got in touch with her through her publisher, which is O'Brien Books. You can find out more about Jo and all of her books at obrien.ie slash Jo-Kerrigan. So let me spell that out. It's O-B-R-I-E-N dot I-E slash J-O dash K-E-R-R-I-G-A-N. Go there and you will be able to read excerpts from all of her books and purchase
1: all of her books. But if you don't like typing from Becky's spelling there, you can just go to the show notes at homespunhaints.com. It should be up for the next week. And if you don't see it up at the top, hello from the past future people. Just do a search. (laughs) Just do a search for Joe Kerrigan or do a search for Irish stuff. That's fine too. You'll find it. Yes.
0: (laughs) So today on the show, we are pleased to bring on Joe Kerrigan. The book that intrigued me by her is Old Ways, Old Secrets, Pagan Ireland, Myth, Landscape, and Tradition. As you can imagine, that's right up our alley. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Because we love history. We love folklore. We love anything that has to do with spooky stuff with the supernatural with fey folk and ghosts and spirits and things seeping through through other dimensions. She is going to come on and tell us all about fairy forts, why you shouldn't mess with them. She's going to talk to us about the origins of Samhain, some really Spooky stories that will give you chills down your spine. (laughs) And also she's going to talk about who the Druids were. So just a lot of really, really amazing information packed into this interview. And of course, she has her own story that I'm just getting chills thinking about it. (laughs) (laughs) You're in for a real treat when we bring on Joe here in a few minutes. One of the things that came up during this interview which I'm I'm just going to preface to say that we had a little bit of audio issues when we recorded it. So we actually recorded Mm. it over my phone. Like you're on speakerphone. Yeah. Yeah. So ready for that. (laughs) Yes, but it's okay. You'll be able to understand every word. But one of the things that did come up in this interview was we started talking about these ideas that were common knowledge that people back, thousands of years ago had to use to rely on to figure out how to live, when to plant their crops, when the storm was coming, that kind of thing, and how we've lost a lot of that knowledge in the name of science. Because as you know, growing up, you would hear these folk tales, you would hear these superstitions, it doesn't matter where in the world you are, you heard something. And then you would have an older, quote unquote, wiser person say, Oh, that's just an old wives tale. Don't believe that. Or that's just something your hippie uncle came up with. Ignore it. (laughs) But there are so many things just since Diana and I were children that we were told were all old wives tale hogwash crazy hippie, whatever family member that was attributed to, that our ancestors, wherever you are from, your ancestors as well, probably had this knowledge, probably had these ideas. And we now know that they're actually true, even though we were told they weren't. (laughs) So I wanted to go through a few of these just because I think this is why every time somebody's like, oh, you don't really believe in ghosts, do you? And I'm like, you know what, 15 years ago, we didn't think X, Y, or Z, but now we know it's not true, right? So first of all, one of the things that we bring up in the interview is the notion of plants, like Joe tells us how you should ask permission before you cut the limb off a tree. I've talked about this before. When I was a child, my (laughs) crazy hippie uncle had given us a book. About how trees could communicate with one another mm. through their roots. And it had this picture of smiling trees on the
2: front. It's called The Secret
0: Life of Trees. And <laughs> I picked it up once and I was like, what's this? This looks fascinating. And my father was like, throw that away. <gasps> throw it away? That's hogwash. Yeah, it's your crazy uncle. He doesn't know. It's a hippie. And now we know. The trees talk to each other. They talk to everything. Oh,
1: yeah. They feel Not pain. as much as mushrooms do. No,
0: I know. Oh, no. <laughs> trees are introverts compared to mushrooms. Yeah, but they talk. They talk. They do. What is something that you heard growing up that you know now? Like, scientifically, you've been proven right. Gets a lot more complex than talking
1: to plants. Oh, yeah? Ever since the pandemic, we've learned so much more about chronic fatigue syndrome like fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, we used to call trash can diagnoses that don't exist. Mm-hmm. Most medical doctors used to say fibromyalgia is not a real thing when we were yep. kids. And now we're like, oh, wait, now we are spending millions and millions of dollars researching these things because everyone's got long COVID. Welcome to the club, guys. Right. <laughs> We've we done been telling you for a long time, long, long time. <laughs> this is a serious problem. Nobody believes you until... It's like hundreds of millions
0: of people have long COVID yeah. now. So everybody yeah. cares now. Well, it was mostly women too. So got brushed off as Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. Uh, a couple other things. The whole notion of intuition being a real thing. Oh, yeah. Trusting your gut. This was something that was actively pushed against where I was. You're illogical if you feel your way through problems. You're a bat. <laughs> Basically, you're crazy. You're batty. And now in schools, children are taught that intuition is a sixth sense. There's no more five senses. They've got (laughs) multiples and one of them is intuition. Oh, yeah. Which I'm so angry about because one of the worst ways to lose your sense of your intuition is to be gaslighted into thinking it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then another one, string theory and super string theory One says that there's 11 dimensions, one says there's 26 dimensions. In the 30s and 40s, it was pretty well established that there were five dimensions. And recently, one of the theories that they posited about why the universe is rapidly accelerating in its expansion is that gravity was leaking from our dimension into other dimensions now they've what? i think they've established that that's not the case but the very oh. fact that physicists are like things can leak from one dimension
1: to another mm. uh well, if things can, then why
0: can't our consciousness? Right? Mm. I really don't understand why you why you could be up there, being like, absolutely. There's no such thing as Fey folk. There's no such thing as uh, creatures in another dimension that can, certain times of year, go through portals or like folds in the space time. We know there's folds in the space time. We know there can be rips. We know that there can be soft spots. So why can't I mean, am I just completely missing this here? Like,
1: I, I mean, maybe it's not soft enough for something to physically pass through, but that doesn't necessarily mean we wouldn't witness some kind of echo or mm-hmm. shadow or evidence. If gravity of can sort. leak
0: through, like gravity is kind of a big deal. Gravity
1: is not something you can hold or touch. Mm-hmm. So it's merely an effect. It makes sense that shadow Right. Which is not something you can hold or touch, but merely in effect
0: mm-hmm. could leak
1: through. We're not seeing shadow people, we're seeing people's shadows. <laughs> it's just those people aren't here.
0: Right. And then there's so much we don't even know about our own brains. Right? Oh,
1: semi-fields are, are a real thing. And I didn't realize, you know, I don't know how old that science is, but I definitely can feel it when I've got my head up against somebody else's head.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And pheromones, that's another one that when we were born, people were saying that humans didn't really produce pheromones. And now we, right. we know that they probably do. And they mm-hmm. are probably detectable. Yep. And they make a big stink about.
0: <laughs> a stink. Yeah. but um bum I guess the point of the matter is for everybody who says that we're silly or baddie or. Woo. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> I get that a lot. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Maybe. But just in the last thirty, forty, fifty years, this tradition of showing that the people who are tapping into some of that ancient knowledge Not so nuts. Maybe there's something to it. You think people survived on this stuff for thousands of years, and then suddenly were told they were wrong? I wonder, like, maybe they weren't wrong. (laughs) Maybe somebody was just saying that to have power over them. So science is catching up to woo is what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Science just hasn't recognized that they're playing catch up yet. They think they're on the cutting edge. And those that have retained this wisdom or learned it are just like, how cute. I hope this whet your appetite for what you're going to hear from Jo. Now, of course, she's a lot more eloquent about this stuff. Yeah. and <laughs> <laughs> She's not just speculating. She's done the research. <laughs> I wish we could have talked to her for hours. Before we bring on Joe, we want to thank everybody who showed up yes. to our live stream that we did. Our weird, weird, weird party. We had a blast. It was great to see Diana. We're going to see each other again in just a few weeks. Just a few weeks. Diana's is going to be coming to Atlanta. So if you are in the Atlanta area, be sure you come by the Fernbank After Dark on October the 13th, Friday the 13th, Diana and I will be performing we so are is it just Fernbank members that get in anybody can get in anybody can buy tickets Fernbank members get a discount I think it is 21 and up go to Fernbank's website it's the Natural History Museum in Atlanta so
1: you get to hear our beautiful voices without this interface in between us nothing between our semi fields at all
0: we have some new patrons to give shout outs to (gasps) we do
1: That's right. After the live event, some people realized they couldn't live without more (laughs) and signed up right away. Thank you, guys.
0: We want to give big shout outs to Rune and to Emily thank you both so much for joining our patreon and then also a huge shout out to tracy for upping your tier really appreciate you guys so much this Thank is-
1: you tracy thank you emily and thank you rune this is why we do this for you guys yeah and honestly you are why we were able to have our live event because without patreon there's no way our indie podcast could have possibly supported that trip so thank you so much patrons you
0: Way anyway, you are the producers of this show.
1: You are. Thank you for yes. being co-producers of our
0: show. <laughs> and if you're not a patron, here's a commercial. Today on the show, we are thrilled to bring on an author. We've had other authors on the show in the past, but as we are approaching Salwin. We thought that you all would really enjoy hearing about folklore from the place that invented Halloween, or Samhain, as it used to be known. So we are very thrilled to bring on today Joe Kerrigan. She is the author of a variety of books exploring the myths and the traditions of Old Ireland. We're going to ask her to talk today with us about Druids, Samhain, and how all of those traditions began, as much as we understand that, and then how those things still permeate our culture today. Joe, thank you so much for coming on today and talking to us and phoning in from, I believe you said you're in Cork, is that correct?
2: West Cork in Ireland, down
0: in the south of Ireland. Uh, I bet it's beautiful there this time of year.
2: It is. It's a very beautiful place to live. We're very fortunate to live
0: here. I picked up a copy of your book, Old Ways, Old Secrets, Pagan Ireland Myth, Landscape, and Tradition, which is published by O'Brien. I know that that's not the only book that you've written. What other books do you have out there right now in your catalog? are you tired of websites that have been frankenstein together
1: oh my website is so slow and creaky
0: every time i use the search
1: bar it just returns
0: abby normal over and over again Becky's sister company the concept
1: spot holds the secret to life itself and can create new life from nothing in fact we've been giving life to highly functional websites for the last 25 years using premium parts we swear we didn't salvage from graveyards
0: oh check out that head image. Instead of going my new website purrs. Need
1: a blog? The concept spot can do that. Want an online store? We can do that too. We
0: build our sites from the cellular level. No reused templates or discarded body parts here, so we can make your site do whatever you want and look however you want. (gasps) It's gorgeous! I can't even see the stitches. We can also resurrect your dead website if rigor mortis has set in. Oh, it's like a new man. If you think homespun haints is frighteningly genius, you should see our websites. Let your favorite ghoulish gals, Becky and Diana, build you a monstrous website that will wreak havoc on the internet for years to come. Visit theconceptspot.com for more information. It's live! It's live!
2: We've got quite a few. Um, we start with one on West Cork, which is a place apart because this is an incredible place to live in West Cork. We had the Old Ways, Old Secrets, which I must say was snapped up by the American press immediately. They bought the rights to sell it there too. Um, we had Follow the Old Road, which was a wonderful one we did on. Forget about the motorways and the freeways and the toll roads. Go and find the old ways that people used to travel on the ancient roads, rather like that tradition that at Halloween and all the magic times of the year, the old roads appear over Ireland and if you follow them, you don't know where they'll take you. And then we did one on stories from the sea, which was all the legends and stories from around the coast of Ireland and the things that happened there. And we did one on the Grand Canal, which goes across Ireland. And now we're working on one, which is going to be on the fairy forts and the secret of the fairy forts of Ireland. Do you know what fairy forts?
0: I don't know. What is that?
2: dwellings you see all over Ireland and they're very, very ancient and they have strong traditions attached to them. You must never damage them, you must never interfere with them and you shouldn't really go into them unless you are very sure to be able to get out again. And they are considered to be the way, the portals to the other world. A way of getting through to the other world where, where themselves live. We don't call them the fairies here. We call them themselves or the good people or the gentry. Uh, they're not fairies. You know, when you think of fairies, you think of Tinkerbell or something in Peter Pan. Well, <laughs> our fairies are not that kind. They are emphatically not that kind. They are they're the gentry. They're like, like we're the commoners and they're the lords of the manor. They're very, very dignified and beautiful and tall. They're not tiny little creatures thinking round on glimmering wings. They're tall, godlike figures. They come from a very, very ancient tradition in Ireland. They go back into the mists of time. They normally keep themselves and behave fairly well, but if you do things that really upset them, like damage their landscape or break down their trees, or heaven forbid, borrow stones from one of the fairy forests to use for your house, then you really are in trouble and or do you know our stone circles and our standing stones. If you touch one of those and damage it, then you really are in trouble. And there are so many instances of people going into misfortune when they deliberately ignore something like a torn tree in the middle of a field or a stone circle that's in their way, and people go and dig it up or knock it over. And misfortune follows them, and everyone believes this.
0: Yeah, that makes complete sense. There's actually similar traditions in Iceland, correct, Diana, about trolls and... A-
1: absolutely and elves yes. specifically it, it sounds very
2: similar to what you're referring to the gentry uh, the way that the icelanders refer to the elves that's right i had breakfast with a, a sorcerer in iceland once <laughs> i was staying in a little hotel and i said can i get breakfast and they said no but if you go down the road there the sorcerer will give you breakfast and they were right <laughs> he was a he was a real shaman like our druids <laughs> here he was a shaman he said very good toast and coffee, I must say. <laughs> <laughs> the Icelanders were probably found as settled from Ireland anyway so they would have had our culture I think one of you mm-hmm. said earlier that uh, pre-Christian beliefs in Ireland look pre-Christian for heaven's sake Christians are practically Johnny come lately if uh-huh. you look at the millennia of Ireland then Christianity came in sort of yesterday Ah, mm-hmm. Interesting. into a very very ancient world uh-huh. which went, lived by the seasons and by the earth and by the landscape and by the moon and the sun and the stars the natural things of life And all of our ancient beliefs are based around that. And the good people, the gentry themselves, keep their eye on this still. They live inside their hillocks and their mountains and they come forth now and then and they think that we're damaging things or misbehaving or doing things wrong. And they will wreak their vengeance on us if we don't stop doing it.
0: It sounds like generally people try to have a neutral relationship with the faithful. Folk yeah. but is it possible to have a good like a working relationship? Like I scratch your back you scratch mine
2: kind of thing,
0: leaving out offerings.
2: Yeah, yeah. They don't need their back scratched. They really don't. <laughs> but they are willing to um to look kindly upon us. You pour out some milk, for example, at your back door. You know you know how people sometimes pour out a libation for the gods in ancient Greece. Well, you do the same in Ireland with some of your food, particularly at this time of year at Samhain. you share it with them. You'll put things out. And particularly with things like fairy force or a standing stone or a fairy path. If you block a fairy path, you're in serious trouble. And they will usually come and let you know. They come knocking on your door or they leave something outside a mark or they bang on the walls in the night. And you realize that there are things you must do to make things better. There's a, a place down us in West Cork where a very kindly lady of the manor, she was an English settler, and she wanted her to start a lace school, making lace for a little girl. And she wanted to build it on the edge of the wood on her land. And uh, this is quite well documented. The local men came around and said, no, we won't build it there. You can't build it there. He said, well, why not, my good man? And they said, because if you're on a fairy path. You're on one of the paths that themselves use. And she went ahead and she had it built. She brought an English workman, I think, to do it for her. And no children would come to the school and there was no luck to it at all to the mm. place. And it burned down after about six months. You're not oh. supposed to block a them plant. I was talking to a very well-known uh, Irish musician the other day, O'Rea, the Pather O'Rea, who writes beautiful music. And I said, Pather, would you ever interfere with a, a fairy fort? And he said, I would not, and I said, he's an no elderly man and very sensible. And he said, I would not, because there are things we don't understand in this time that we live in. Mm-hmm. And just because we don't understand something from another time, that doesn't not give us the right to damage it.
0: Absolutely. You mentioned druids a minute ago, and I think a lot of people don't really understand what a druid is Uh, i think a lot of people have this idea that it's it's a a name for a culture but it's really more of the sorcerers like you said correct
2: Yeah, the druids were the wise men you've got a lot of people calling themselves druids now and they may be following there's a lot of like people follow wicca you know one of the old religions Uh or they follow paganism but the druids were in ancient ireland the wise men the ones who knew it all that's been taken over today a bit by Christianity, but the clergy in Christianity don't actually know it all; they just follow a book. Right. But the Druids didn't. The Druids went by belief in knowledge. You know, in some religions, the shamans I spoke of in the far eastern countries, they would go out and starve themselves and live on the edge of the wilderness for a until they got the knowledge that they needed. You might know it yourself. If you're ever almost falling asleep at night, you get strange ideas and strange notions into your head when you're mm-hmm. half awake and half asleep. So well, that was what they worked on, the Druids, until they knew everything. They also studied things like the landscape and mm-hmm. nature and the earth. So they knew what time of year things would happen, and they knew what the weather was going to do. These days, we want to know what the weather's going to do. We look it up on television, for heaven's sake, or we look it up on our phones. We shouldn't be doing that, for heaven's sake. You should go up there and sniff the air, look at the skies. We have that ability. It's very sad. Humans have lost an awful lot of the ability we had to know things for ourselves. Animals still have it. Have you ever noticed that a cat or a dog knows that there's a storm coming? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I have a dog that gets hysteric half an hour before a storm hits and mm-hmm. goes and hides under the bed. And I'm thinking, what is she up to? And she, she knows that the storm is coming. We used to have a lot more knowledge than we do because now we rely on someone else to tell us. We put on the news and let them tell us what we should be thinking. But in the mm-hmm. olden days, the druids knew So people would go to the Druids. They had studied for generations and years and years to learn everything they should know and all the old traditions and all the old ways. And people would go to them and consult them. What should I do here? My landscape is dying. My crops aren't growing. My children are ill. And they would look at it and they would look at him and they would look at his lands and they would say, this is what you must do and that is what you must do. They used to send messages carved onto hazel rods. They would send messages to each other. And also they used to use those hazel rods to tell their fortune. I think the Chinese do the same in I Ching, where they were the arrow stokes. But the Druids used to tell the future by hazel rods or rowan, another one of the magic plants, a magic tree. Incidentally, if either you want to protect your house, make sure you plant rowan and apple and ash around it. Oh,
0: well, I remember that.
2: They will protect your land. But you must respect them as well. You should never actually cut a branch or pull a branch off a tree without asking the tree's permission first. And that's not tweed. That's not icky. It's a very sensible thing to do. In the old Breton laws of Ireland, not to mention we did a book on Breton laws. The ancient Bretons were the wisest men, the druids, mm-hmm. and they would—they had very, very strict rules about damaging trees and plants.
0: It really does make a lot of sense when you think about, Uh especially scientifically, all we've learned recently about how plants communicate, how they think, how they feel pain even. And we all know, we've known for years, that if you have houseplants and you talk to them, they will thrive more than if you don't. There's
2: so many of the old common sense ones, and when someone comes up with it, having tested at enormous expense in science that says, hey, this is true. We say, oh, it's okay, I can believe in it then. Well, the ancients knew all of this already. Right. But we're only coming round to realize that they had it right.
0: I do have one more question about the Druids. You refer to them as the wise men. Were they always men?
2: Women were Druids as well, and just as powerful, because ancient Ireland was much more female-oriented. Right. It's only since we had some weirdos in the Christian Church, <laughs> on Jesus Christ, he was a gentle, kind person who wanted people to love each other.
0: Uh-huh, but um,
2: uh-huh. a few weirdos into it later on, who decided that women were, uh, they were afraid of women. I think you do get men like that sometimes, and they started oh, yeah. pushing women out of their place. Do you know, in the original Christian Church, priests were married, women were priests, men were priests, and they were all normal people. And then they decided that women were secondary citizens. And, yeah. you know, you've probably lived in societies where women are still regarded as second Yep. Yes, the women were certainly Druids, and they were very powerful Druids. Bridget, Bridget, who the Christians turned into a little saint, and I can never forgive them for it. Yeah. She was a very powerful Druidess. She was a goddess as well, but she was a Druid okay. and a powerful But
0: We did mention Samhain. Yes. Yeah. Now it's known as Halloween, for those of you listening who are not familiar but it originated in Ireland. Can you tell us how it originated and what some of the original thinking around Samhain is?
2: It was one of the two great festivals of the year. This is the new year. The Celtic New Year begins on November, what we call November the 1st. Remember, these are all newer inventions these months. But at the dark time of the year, at the end of October, that is the start of the new year for Ireland. And then Another other huge festival is Beltane or on or Day. Those were the two festivals, the start of the dark and the start of the sun. Now, I know it seems an odd time to start a year in the absolute dark and going into the dark, but that's because the ancients believed in the culture, the land, the whole to the fertility of land and crops and people. And just like a baby starts as a seed, and just like... Seeds are planted in the ground in the autumn. And by the way, that is the time to plant seeds. Autumn, not in the spring. Give them a chance. (laughs) And you put them into the earth. You give them into the earth while the earth is still warm and they can spend the winter snug down there and then they can come up in the spring stronger than seeds that get jammed in in the spring, hopefully, into colder. They're still recovering. It was the time that things go into the earth deep down and grow. And then at Beltane or Bealtaine on May Day, they come out into full summer and we honour the sun. There are other festivals, of course. The Midwinter Festival. Christians couldn't get rid of that, so they called it Christmas instead and moved it on a few days. But Midwinter is another festival. And Lunasa in August, when you go and honour the sun god, And people try they still climb to hills to honour the sun god. Uh-huh. Let's see, what are the other ones? Yeah, February, the beginning of February. Brigid's Day, Brigid's Day, in bulk. when they... That's when, it's very practical, it's when the sheep come into milk again. Their lambs are born and they come into mm-hmm. milk. And if you lived in a time when you depended dependent upon milk products, which we always did in Ireland because we had lots and lots of cows and sheep, mm-hmm. then you really needed that time in February. The thing of midwinter, is that that is the time you thought, okay, we're past the darkest days and the Druids would have told you when the darkest days were passing, so we can break out just a few of the hoarded nuts and apples and fruits and things and we can have a little bit of a party because we're past the worst bit, hopefully. It's not true in Ireland, in fact. God almighty, January and February in Ireland are terrible. Only its own mother could love January and February in Ireland. <laughs> but really, but Halloween, All Hallows' Eve, which is so it. is what we would call it in Irish, the night before so. On. The thing about it is, it can be very dangerous because that's when it's one of the times, like May Day, when the veil between us and the other world, their world, the gentry's world, is very, very thin. Uh-huh. And it's all too easy to move to the other side of that veil. And they can easily come through to visit us. They could come at any time, but that's when they feel like doing it. It's like the door has been left temptingly open and they come wandering through to our world. So do the departed people, the people who've left us already in past time. They come back at Samhain to see how we're doing and whether we're honouring their presence. So many households will put out food and drink on the table as an honoured relative who has passed on. And if you have any relatives that passed on in the past years and you think of them and you still love them and think about them, then you out something at Halloween for them. A place. Honour them with a glass at the table and a plate with some food on it because that's what you're supposed to do. And you also honour the gods at Halloween and be careful about going out at Halloween because, as I said, the veil is very thin and it's all too easy to slip through to the other side. And once you get through to the other side, you might not be able to come back. One of the old rules is, if you do go through, don't eat any food that they offer you.
0: Right. If you go to a
2: fairy fort, they'll offer you the newest of food and the oldest of drink and everything. But if you touch any of their food, it's a bit like the legend of Persephone and mm-hmm. went down to the gods, she she eat six pomegranate seeds. The same way in Ireland, you have to be careful not to eat anything if you go through to the other world. But they come through to us and that's why you have to be careful at Halloween. If you meet one on the road, the only thing to do is to turn your coat inside out. It's a funny one that, turning your coat inside out, because apparently it changes your character and they don't know who you are and you couldn't get away with them. At Halloween, they would kindle a sacred fire. All fires had to be put out everywhere in the community. And as you know, back then, your fire was on all the time. You always kept the fire going. You needed it. All fires were extinguished. It was like starting again clean and then the druid would light the fire from the nine sacred woods and uh, everyone else would rekindle their fires from that. Oh! And then the ashes uh-huh. from the fire would be, would be scattered on the fields to give it good luck. Now you know, you probably do know that wood ash is very good on land anyway and people would mark their children's clothing with a cross from a burnt stick from the ashes. And uh, Christianity took that one up too for Ash Wednesday. They <laughs> right. borrowed that one and used it well, they—they yeah. they, they, they were the ones that had to when they came to countries where there was a strong tradition. Of a culture and belief, they couldn't get rid of them, so they just took mm-hmm. them over and used them. Like I said about Bridget, the goddess, mm-hmm. they turned her into this little, instead of being a, an all powerful goddess who knocked people out of her way if they annoyed her, they turned her into this little saint who came around and pulled at God's cloak, you know, saying, Would you ever do something for us, you know? And the old Irish goddesses were never like that. They were powerful and strong. Mm-hmm. did things like the, the Morrigan, the Banshee, you know, she was a powerful woman. Halloween now in Ireland, if you could see the shops at the moment, they're jammed with pumpkins and costumes and goats in all the shops. And if that's come from you in America, admittedly, you've got the more commercial Mm. side. But But it came originally from here because there is a reason for the trick or treat. There really is a very serious reason for it. We wouldn't have put a pumpkin out. You would put a pumpkin out and light a candle in it, wouldn't you?
0: To scare away the spirits.
2: That's what you do, to keep away evil spirits. We did it with a turnip. No kid now will use it in Ireland, but that was what we had. We had turnips. You'd it out, put a candle inside and leave it outside the door. Now that and the trick or treating that's done have a very serious purpose because there are a few malevolent and mischievous spirits around on Halloween, on Iha Hona and they can come looking for trouble. So usually only mischief. They're not going to do anything very nasty, but they'll probably cause trouble, like cause the pipes to burst or pull the roof on down or knock a few slates off or things like that. Mm-hmm. When they come by, if they see a ghost or a something dancing outside your house and uttering cries, like local kids do, they'll say, oh, there's someone there already looking after that. Okay, I'll go on to the next one. So well, the children okay. will come to your house a spirits are actually doing you a good service because, you see, they, the, the genuine ones who are passing will see them and say, oh, that house is being looked after, okay, we'll go on to the next one. That is why they're doing it. It's it's a very serious thing to do to make sure that uh, you will keep the evil spirits away. Uh, they're, they're, they aren't usually evil, they're usually just uh, mischievous, like the puka. The puka is either a great black horse with glittery eyes or a great black goat with glittery eyes. And if you come across the Puka and you gone home across the bog land at night, the Puka will just toss you up on his back and take you off over several mountain sides and dump you somewhere in the early hours of the morning in a bog. And you have to stagger home from there, make your own way home. I suspect many a husband must have used that as an excuse, you know, when he kept staggering home in the early hours. He said, well, the puka is, is quite serious. It's quite a serious. Everyone believes in the puka. And the Mascon Marriott, which is a very strange thing. It's an Irish phrase, meaning the dizziness of the marsh. There are certain places, there's one place very close to us called the Gaira, a marshland, an old marshland, where you can get the Mascon Marriott. If you're down there, suddenly the mist comes down. You don't know where you are. And you have no idea of where home is. And you can turn around for hours. And not know where you are. There's some very strange legends about that and how that happens. There's a very dangerous thing to try, which I wouldn't really recommend, which you're supposed to do at midnight in front of a mirror. You put a candle either side of the mirror, and then you sit in front of the mirror, in the dark, obviously. Uh They say you should brush your hair or comb your hair and look into the mirror, and you will see someone behind you. I've never had quite the nerve to do
0: it. Uh This is only on Halloween where this would happen, or is this year-round?
2: At Halloween, it's when you're most likely to see someone behind you. The trouble is you don't know know who it will be or who has come through from the other side. Girls will always say, oh, well, you're going to see the man you're going to marry. But I think it's meddling with something slightly more atavistic than that, slightly more pagan than that. Yeah. There are a couple of nasty creatures around. Not many. Most of ours are either too dignified to do anything like horseplay or they're just mischievous and will play games like the puka does. But there are one or two rather ghastly creatures in Ireland who might be around at Halloween, which you would call elementals. Uh There are a couple of places in Ireland where these are still said to be present as a castle on the west coast of Ireland in County Clare where there's a room that you can't get into that's uh, been barred and shut for centuries, where there's an elemental imprisoned. And there's a castle up in the Midlands, it's supposed to be the most haunted castle anywhere, called Lep Castle, L-E-A-P, Lep Castle. Yeah. And that one, I, I, had a bad, I had a bad experience there myself. with quite terrified. Oh. I went along there before it was ever restored. Now they've made it a tourist attraction. But oh. back then, it was just a castle deserted on its own in the middle of a bogland, down in a hollow, surrounded by firs bushes. I don't know if you've got firs, a very prickly bush that has lovely yellow flowers on it. Mm-hmm. But anyway, as I went to the top of the hill outside it and looked down, it was my binoculars, and I could see the old castle shut, closed, and a heavily barred door with chains across it. <laughs> and I thought, mm-hmm. well, I'll, I'll walk down a little way and go, and look at it. This, I was, there was nobody for a hundred miles around. It was deserted. And so a wind swept up a day to it. It was scary. So I went down the track, went down, down between the bushes, and you couldn't see anything around you because the bushes were so high. and it was getting more and more unnerving uh-huh. and dead silent, and I came out into the open space in front of the castle, and the door was wide open. <gasps> now, oh. Oh. All I can say is that there was nobody for a hundred miles around. I'd seen it, my own eyes, chained and barred, and nobody had come. Nobody could have come from anywhere. That those great doors had been thrown back on both sides were double doors, and there was a great black expanse inviting the in. Cannot
0: <sighs> And You didn't go in, did you?
2: <laughs> Are you joking? <laughs> I remember. I thought very carefully. I got it. I thought. I must not let them see that I know. I must not let them see that I know. And I Mm -hmm. I walked backwards very slowly, a foot at a time, one foot behind the other, or I got out around the corner and then I ran. And then I went back. It's one of those things that's something or nothing. People here yeah. think, ah, well, you, you know, there were sort of there was somebody there. There wasn't anyone there. Yeah. There was nobody for miles. Anyway, it turns into a bit of a tourist attraction now, I think, Left Castle, and people are allowed to walk around and look. But there is supposed to be an elemental there, and if you ever see an elemental, use whatever charm you know to get rid of it. They are not good things there. They're not even, I was going to say human, but they're not even fairy like. They're uh, evil as personified. Listen, I didn't tell you about barmbrack. I don't know if you have it or not there. No. It's a special cake for Halloween.
0: Please tell us about this. This sounds great.
2: In France, they have the Gâteau des Rois in January, where they have the cake of the kings for the 6th of January, where there's a cake with the China kings baked into it. At least they used to be, although we had health and safety rules. Well, in Ireland, <laughs> the barmbrack or bourrine brack is a cake bar, minty yeast cake, which is speckled because it's full of fruit and currants. It's a round cake, and it contains, at Halloween, special omens, special things, because all the things at Halloween at the end of the old year is wondering what the next year ahead will bring. So the proper Balmbrac has a ring in it. It's a pea, a bean, a stick, and a rag. And the ring means you'll be married in 12 months. The bean means you'll be rich. The pea means you'll be poor. The rag means you'll be an old maid or bachelor. (laughs) And the stick means that you, you will beat your life partner. so they're half a joke and they're half not a joke because everyone wanted to know what the year ahead would bring that's why that scrying at that mirror at midnight or putting Mm -hmm. the hazelnuts along by the fireside to see which way they would jump and bobbing for apples to see if you could get an apple and give yourself good luck it was all to see what the year ahead would bring, would it be good luck fertility, you needed a good healthy family but you also needed good fertile crops good Mm -hmm. fertile animals it was so important. We tend to forget this a lot now when we can be sure of getting everything from the supermarket mm-hmm. or being able to tell from the television what the weather's going to do. But uh, back then you depended, and they still do in many parts of Ireland, they depended on these things to tell you what was going to happen next and how you could influence it for good. No more than anyone else, we were anxious to know what the future would bring and we were anxious to placate the gods who were here to make sure that they look kindly upon us. Because Mm -hmm. after all, we had gods in charge of the crops, we had gods Mm -hmm. in charge of the trees, of the plants, of the animals. In fact, some of them would take the shape of animals to come and see what we were doing. And you needed to go to the right god to find what you needed to do to make your animals healthy, or land healthy. I think any commonsensical base would take these cares. I think today people are far too capable relying on, I don't know, the National Health Service or relying on the local supermarket or relying on a doctor for things that should be able to work out for themselves. If you can become more aware, look around you. Notice everything you see. I mean, uh, for the weather, for example, you've only got to look at the way the cattle are behaving. Where do you a storm tomorrow coming across Ireland? I think it's probably one that came from you. There are cattle in the field behind our house, and I will watch them in the early hours of the morning. Before, half an hour before that storm starts, those cattle will get up, and the leading cow will lead them to a corner facing uh, where hopefully the trees and head into the wind. And I said before that my dog used to get hysterics when there was a storm coming. You look at the plants, the plants that close, and the ducks on a pond that will scoot for cover well before any storm comes. And that's when you should look and say, Okay, there's something I can pick up here if I try hard enough. Do I get a sniff of something different? Is it in the clouds? Is it in the sky? And train yourself. You know, you can go back to recover an awful lot of what we've lost by relying on what the news said tonight on the television.
0: Tell us about the sacred wells.
2: The sacred wells, were there again, they're very, very ancient because water is magical. Uh, water comes out of the ground suddenly. You need water. You have to have water. You can't live without water. Mm-hmm. And if water springs out of the ground, that is something wonderful. And there were special wells which became known for giving cures for okay. different things. There were ones for a sore throat. There were ones for leprosy even. There were ones for an ailing child. There were ones for infertility. There are some wonderful wells up in the middle of the world with these oval egg-shaped stones on top. And the woman would go to the well, drink the water, handle the stone round and round in her hands and put it back. And that would help her to become pregnant. And there are ones for all sorts, for people, blind people, people with illnesses. There's a wonderful one down in Kerry, Tuberna the well of the lunatics, it was um, a druid could, if he were angry enough, or if he were a very bad person, he could put a spell on you and turn your brain. He would light a, a wisp of hay and offer a particular phrase and throw this at you. And you'd lose your reason. Now, there was a well down in Kerry. It was a glen of the lunatics, and this special spring of water was there. And they used to send the lunatics down there. I'm me to use the word lunatic, but that's the word they use the time, the people who are affected by the moon. Uh-huh. And they would drink from this well, and they would be cured. Now, I thought that was a great one, and used it in the book. And it was only after that book came out, Old Ways, Old Secrets, that a person approached me when I was giving a talk and said, do you know they've recently done a scientific study of that well, and it contains large amounts of lithium. Oh, lithium. oh that's... <laughs> is or was used for the treatment of mental disorders. So back yes. two, 3,000 years ago, they knew that. You know, why do we think we're only learning it? It's a common mistake. Every generation thinks it's the first ones, which never, and the first ones are know <laughs> things. But they knew all of these dead.
0: You've talked about how Christianity has just been a blip here. When did it first start permeating into Ireland and how long? I'm sure there's a lot of archaeological evidence showing just how long people were there before Christians came in. Do you have those dates?
2: Well, the Christians came around about 500 AD. Okay. Round about that time, 450 5, 580. They were moving out across Europe. They decided they were on a power jag by that time. <laughs> this was after the death of Christ. They were on a get more countries and get them onto our side, because it's a way of having power, get more countries together. They came to Ireland then, and that 1st AD. And I think the last lot, I think they've just discovered a farmstead near Cork which is about 3,500 years ago. And they were here a lot earlier than that. We've got a place up in Mayo where they were farming 5,000 years ago. And every time we find something else archaeologically, it goes back further. The thing about Ireland is that they... um, there's so much left to do and mm-hmm. we haven't got all that much money to do it and they really say please do not dig in the landscape, let us get a chance to do it and find things. Because once you go down you find it goes back further and further and further. Because we didn't have a written language, everything was handed down by knowledge. If somebody went mm-hmm. to study to be a druid, he learned from those ahead of him and they taught him all the old knowledge and the old ways. It goes back farther than you can imagine. That's why it regards in my book I think Christianity is practically yesterday. You yeah. might say it's a long time ago, but right, I won't see 450 AD Yes, practically yesterday.
0: You said that these are farmsteads, these are agricultural people, so who knows how long people were there before. The
2: hunter-gatherers, right? before they settled, the hunter-gatherers, indeed. And did they come across before the Ice Age, or did they come across the Oregon, or when you could go across the land, mass
0: One thing that we do a lot of on the show is we tell ghost stories. Do you have any good ghost stories that you would like to share with us before we close things out?
2: There are so many different ones coming to my mind. I've never seen the death coach myself, but I know people who have. Uh-huh. The huh of bower actually means the death coach it won't hear you, and that is something that's uh, very commonly believed in here. And, of course, oh. there's the wild hunt. At this time of year is when you'll hear a hunting horn at night in the woods in the forest here. And you hear a great cry, and yelping of dogs, and a sounding of a horn. And you have to get your back to an apple tree or a rowan tree, if you possibly can. Stand there with both your hands round the tree behind you, holding yourself against it. And if you have a dog with you, or anything, you hold the dog, keep the dog next to you, and let them pass by. Do not interfere. The wild hunt is the spirits out for the night having a very, they're chasing usually their own creatures, but you have to be careful they don't chase you instead.
0: You said that the wild hunt happens this time of year? Yes.
2: As the time gets into the dark time of year, because they come out because, as I said, at Halloween, at Iha as we call it, the night, the veil is very thin, and it's one of the times they choose to go traveling and Mm -hmm. to hold their hunts and to hold their merrymaking. You can usually tell they're on the way. If you look at some of our mountains, We have several fairy mountains and if they're themselves are on their way out to a gathering, then my top of the mountain will be covered with a mist. It's like the fairy wind. It'll blow past you and that means that they are passing by and you're supposed to curtsy or bob your head. But then I suppose you will you always curse it's a new moon, don't you? I don't think we've heard that one. You must curse it's a new moon. Men are supposed to bow to what women are supposed to curse. It's the new moon. I mean, heavens, I would never miss. I mean, it's like washing your face in the dew on May morning. It's something you always do.
0: I will remember that. Could you tell us, you mentioned the death coach. I'm not familiar with that. Can you tell us that story? What the death
2: that? coach is something that comes for people, usually for people of no worse families. But you can look out. If someone is very near to death in the house, if you look out, you can see this tiny black dot in the sky coming down, coming down, coming down. And then you can hear a rumbling of wheels on the road of carriage wheels. And what the only thing you can do is open every door and it just might drive straight through and on. If the doors are shut it will stop and that's the person hell had it. Oh. The death coach. It's rather like the knock. You know the Banshee screams mm-hmm. and in the countryside she does scream. But um, in cities where you wouldn't hear a scream or you might not notice it, they knock.
0: Good. And I do oh. know
2: several people who have as they call it, we have the knock in our family, they say. That means when someone is near death, they hear three knocks on the door and you are not advised to open the door.
0: Oh, yeah. Wouldn't. That sounds oh. terrifying. What would purportedly happen if you did open the door? You'd die.
2: Well, I think you are welcoming than she, and you're welcoming in death, trying to claim the mm-hmm. person. Or if you're trusting the doctor to actually pull them around, you better not open the door. When old The old ways get into conflict with the new ways.
0: The new ways usually lose. Joe, this has been so wonderful to talk to you. You are a font of knowledge. You have so much information. And I did get tingles down my spine when I heard you say all of these wonderful stories and folklore and the old ways. And it just makes me want to spend more time in Ireland. It was very wonderful to talk to you. The book that I found you through, that I know that you relayed a lot from, was Old Ways, Old Secrets, Pagan Ireland, Myth, Landscape, and Tradition. But you have so many more books out. Do you want to tell us the names of those books one more time?
2: Yes, I will. Follow the old road. Breton laws, the ancient wisdom of the ancient Druids, and stories from the sea. And a couple of others, but the one we're working on now is The Secrets of the Fairy Fort as a gateway to the other world. That's a sort of a working title. That not only what the, the fairy forts and the superstitions, but what you would find if you're transported through the fairy fort, from the portals into the other world, and the people you would find there.
0: Do you know when that will be available for people to purchase?
2: It should be out in autumn of next year. Anyone who goes onto the O'Brien Press page will see all of these listed.
0: And we will include links to that page on our show notes at homespunhaints.com. So anyone who's listening, please go visit and pick one of these wonderful books up. They're just as engaging as the stories you just heard. Joe, you are a fabulous storyteller. This was so much fun talking to you. Thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. Thank you,
2: Joe. It was lovely talking to you. Hainted loves. What
1: do you think? Have you heard these stories? And I'm sure even if you've heard these stories from an
2: American Halloween tradition, you haven't heard them quite like this. And I know I'm going to have a spooky day.
0: Homespun Haints is hosted by Becky Kilimnick and Diana Doty, and produced by Homespun Haints Media LLC. Editing and music by Becky Kilimnick. Show notes by Diana Doty. If you have a ghost story and you'd like to be considered as a guest for this podcast, please visit our website at homespunhates.com slash submit.